What's going on, everybody? It's me, Asad Hashimali, back again with another episode of Behind the Grind. It's episode number ten, everybody. Episode number ten, the tenth guest. Not really the tenth guest because episode nine was with an old guest, and this time we've got with me Shazmine Durani. Shazmine, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Shazmine is an old, old, old friend of mine. Uh, you could say that we practically grew up together because we've seen each other in our good and our bad forms, physically and mentally as well. Um, uh, we were in school together at Lyceum, and uh, since then we've always been in touch. She's one of my closest friends. And uh, why is a, a very old friend of mine on the show? Is because, as always, behind the grind is that podcast where we sit with people who are doing cool shit. On a regular basis, people whose stories I like to hear, people whose grind I admire, and Shazmine definitely, definitely has a solid work ethic, and she's just been super focused since the day I've known her. Um, so, Shazmine, how about you actually share to everyone what are you really up to? What are you doing these days? Um, thank you for saying all of that. Um, My pleasure. I t- I try. You know, I really try. I try to make sure that the first thirty seconds are like the most comforting and the most soothing, and all the compliments go out there. Then they stop. That's what you're getting. But it's like that dhaka start, right? That dhaka start, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I'm so happy to be here. I know we've been talking about it for so long. I think we're talking about it since even before you started it. Um, and I'm glad you're doing it. That is right. Um, that is right. You were supposed to be um, on the first five. Actually, I had this list made up, and I spoke to Shazmine well before I even start off with the podcast. I had made a few videos on YouTube, but then I thought that you know, let her know in advance. And a year later, it's happened. It happened, right? Better late than never. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think. really cool thing that you're up to and it's inspiring me <laughs> but um what i'm doing is basically what almost everyone's up to these days which is figuring it out um putting your hands everywhere and then figuring it out what works what doesn't work um doing a lot of work from home which seems to be default mode right now um working in the education space um and yeah just uh, just the usual grind <laughs> Don't be so humble about it. Don't be modest. <laughs> Tell people what are you really doing? Like in education, um, you're you're working with uh, this organization called Rise. Am I correct? Yeah, Rise oh, is the acronym. I didn't tell you that. I did some research. Um, I did some research. I'm not that bad of a host. That's interesting. Yeah. No. So Rise is basically this project that um, DFID, which is the Department for International Development. um they uh, run this program and it's a research oriented program that basically just thinks about kind of like what are the innovative ways in which we can you know break away from the ways of which we've known education and kind of innovate a little more so it's 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 basically research oriented but what i'm more into these days is looking at the um kind of implementation space in sin mm-hmm. um mostly to the public sector of education but also towards like child protection and child well-being and these are things that um i've worked with in in kind of at a distance but never up close so so that's happening right now what makes it difficult though is because we're stuck at home these are the things in 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 karachi and in pakistan especially you need to be on the ground all the time you need to be physically chasing things um so that becomes very difficult we're not structurally amenable to distant work in this country so um so yeah i mean new stuff exciting stuff 
Is that was so, that humble? Was that humble? Does no, that work? Getting there, getting there. No, but uh, can can you elaborate a little bit on um on uh, the the implementation side in Sin? Like, what exactly are you working on? Because I remember briefly we we spoke about um, social emotional learning and um, mm-hmm. and uh, emotional well being of children. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Like, what are you doing to work towards uh, solving this problem? um it's not solving problem big word <laughs> no but it's more towards like under- kind of bringing it into the narrative right so okay. this also kind of includes the education narrative that you and i grew up with which was very focused on on kind of like the transcript right focused mm-hmm. very very great transcript um and and that still is the reality for most children and i get why i get how important a transcript is but like social emotional learning is not does not mean that you know you forget about the grade but more that you include it or you kind of um enhance it with some more substance that is more kind of fruitful towards a person's character and growth and these are things that people are doing in isolation right so it's happening in some private schools it's perhaps also happening in some non-profits but what i'm trying to work on is a curriculum or not even a curriculum a manual that can facilitate um instruction in classrooms instruction that is, that is enriched by a social social emotional learning mindset so this is largely for teachers um and it's going to mostly be for government teachers so that makes it a little kind of challenging because um this is just so unfamiliar to the grammar of teaching in this country um so and what makes it also harder is that it's it's not going to have any interaction like i'm not going to ever be able to meet the people who will be using this so it's all very like you make it and then you just give it and then you know people make sense out of it the way they do so that's that's what i meant um by the implementation bit okay so like so are you are you using the the teachers as the as a as a way to pass on this message and try to like make sure that the children actually see the results of your efforts uh, of of the of the organization's efforts or is it more like you're also engaging with the kids as well side by side yeah so i mean what would normally happen in in normal circumstances which is sans pandemic is that you would do a lot of like baseline stuff so you would do it you would start at a small scale you would pilot something like this um and and then you would move from there right but because right now and i think the need for this uh, and the demand for this is even more acute right now it's because like you know children are going to come back to school with very different needs um with being uh, separated from their colleagues from their friends from their teachers for a very long amount of time and perhaps even have might have witnessed things that have been traumatic have witnessed loss we don't know right um so they're going to come back with these different needs and to equip teachers with not just like you know skills that can help them you know accelerate students learning in terms of like their grades but also help them understand like what do children need right now like what are the things that we can do to put them in a place where they can then learn better or learn more effectively right so mm-hmm. so that's what it is i'm not really sure about how we're going to evaluate this i have no idea how we're going to follow up on this and that is just such a typical um you know pakistani development thing to say because you know you do all of these things and there's never any follow up there's never there's no concept of evaluation and i when i'm saying never i mean in the in the larger public space i think all of this does happen in the private space where you have the comfort of doing this on a small scale 
when you work with the government you get you the, the projects have you know are, are always working on a bigger scale right so it's mm-hmm. very hard to monitor to evaluate so you know those are things that i don't know but i would hope that it would happen mm-hmm. so shazvira what are what are some of the how is it happening right now like um what is the current current scenario like in these schools um or these government run schools so these public schools right now like are the teachers um just going in and like you know teaching the three core fundamentals and then walking out or uh, is there any work that's happening before like you having entered into this or rise having entered into this space yeah well this isn't a rise this project is not a rise project it's a different one but um even even like you know if we were to talk about like the average government school it's very much what you say which is that it is um a literacy focused on by literacy i mean just literally like very literate literacy which is just reading and writing mm-hmm. um and no comprehension whatsoever for the for the most part right um so that's what it's been in the, in the cases that i have worked with um but there are these kind of like positive like deviances you know you always find some people who are so motivated and who are trying their new things but you know there's this there's a so there's severe resource limitations right so for a lot of people it's very hard to do these things without money without funds without stationery and all of these basic supplies like you walk into you know a normal school an average school and you see the roof has fallen down you'll see there's no furniture you'll see there's a teacher teaching under a tree and uh, these things have become normal now so they don't even bother us anymore so you know that's what the situation seems to be for the most part um and so we're doing things the way we've done them through the years regardless of how much you know rhetoric there is of reform and change on ground it's quite literally the same now, for the most part i think i think what's um interesting to see is that um different ngos are now working with the government through public private partnerships and so but even that is something that you know hasn't been evaluated so we don't know whether this has been um you know on, on paper it seems like this would you know improve things to get the non-profit sector involved to get the private sector involved to outsource management because what happens really with bureaucratic organizations is that it becomes very hard to manage so when you outsource management you imagine that it would make things better but again it's it's something that hasn't been fully evaluated yet so i'm not really sure if that that, that has potential to change um the average situation mm. so this you since you mentioned the pub pri, uh, public private partnerships actually i've been i've been looking at this space for a while now and um i think well maybe this is something which just exists in pakistan is that no matter what space you want to get into whether that be um non-profit or for-profit you will find these silos that are trying to solve major problems yeah. um yeah. and huge problems like these end up becoming global solutions but people mm-hmm. aren't like merging together or like pooling in resources together and working as one front so w- what are like explain that a little bit to me like why do you feel that even happens in the first place yeah i mean that's just you just hit it on you just hit the nail on the head right because what happens is that all of this phenomenal work is happening um in silos in isolation from one another and nobody's talking to each other about the work right and and by talking i don't just mean like you know letting them know but by talking i mean like how can we to make impact you need to consolidate effort like you, you know to to make impact you need to have some kind of synergy and the reason that lacks is because the 
who gets the synergy is a big question mark like who 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 kind of creates that consolidation or who brings these people together right i would imagine that that's the task of that is largely the role of the government right that just never been on the agenda like it's like you know you give a project to this organization you give another one to that and that's that there's, there's really no impetus to bring them together or to figure out that you know these organizations are representing very i mean largely the goal is the same but they have a different way of doing things and we need to figure out what works what doesn't work and how can they learn from one another to make a bigger impact that kind of thinking isn't there you know that kind of um iterative mindset that we want to take one step look here and there make people talk to one another then move on that's just not there and that's not something you can teach to people who are in power like what do you do <laughs> you know so it's a big gap it comes down to that right it comes down to that is that they want to have that control or they want to be able to like dictate that this is my way and that's how it's going to happen they don't want any yeah. other opinions to like to somehow ruin that for them yeah for sure that's what it is so like and and you've actually been someone who i, I since i think way before a levels also you were constantly like working with different organizations around the city as well so like um what has been that one common factor between all of these like organizations which they just don't see because i think that the last time you were in, in town you were working with um, karangi public school also and then before that you were with the akuwat foundation as well so i know you've got a pretty solid and di- and diverse background in this space but yeah what is it that they all just don't see together um i think the i mean i would say that one thing that's common is that they all are working with the government now in some capacity right so is the citizens foundation so is kiran foundation so lot of hands all of them are working with the government now. and i think um, they're all frustrated <laughs> oops by it but i think what needs to kind of happen is um, a consolidation a kind of rethinking of like what is it that they want to achieve through education right so like is education an end for them or is education a means to an end because that is a conversation that kind of informs the way they do things because a lot then you know what i've noticed is with a lot of these projects these schools end up just becoming like another school like another average government school and i'm not saying that the average government school is particularly bad but what i'm saying is that you know if if the if your mindset is to do to innovate if your mindset is to do something different um then you need to be kind of like you know reflecting on your work and evaluating your work that's just again that's not that's not part of our dna to do that right mm-hmm. um it becomes very hard also because a lot of them have small teams and a lot of them have limited resources mm-hmm. and a lot of them have to work with government staff so i mean i don't know if there's necessarily a point of dissonance um that is that is creating issues really i think it's more of like a lack of coordination you know so more than the things they would be at odds about it's the lack of being able to converse with one another and have these you know create these spaces where they can share their findings or practices best practices or whatever mm-hmm. um i think that is something that uh i would rather point to that yeah all right interesting just so i'm going to segue a little bit actually in, into um into our experiences um from from middle school from high school then from from university as well is that how do you feel that that those experiences have actually um helped you to 
make a bigger impact in what you're doing or and work towards that impact and please don't say that you're not making any impact because you're cl- clearly doing lots of great work you know so and for a while i think you're one of the few people who've actually sustained that effort for quite a while and has been in it passionately since um again like since before i've even known you so what what do you feel like are some key instances from your uh, from your own education journey that are are coming into play now Oh, I don't even know. I mean, I I actually wonder sometimes if there are key instances <laughs> in my education journey that, you know, and I don't mean to sound like a cynic. I really don't, but I wonder, I mean, you know, there's always the basic, right? Like the ability to speak in English, you know, mm-hmm. that's power. Getting the grades, that's power that takes you to another step that then takes you. So, you know, if you trace back the journey, then of course there's so much to say. But if I was to speak in terms of like, you know, like principal substantive stuff then i actually can't trace back um anything that i would say contributed to um, a sense of civic consciousness or a sense of like what am i interested about or what am i interested in right because it just so happens that i'm interested in these things this isn't uh, this isn't social work you know it's it's my profession so this is this is about what i'm interested in right and um, I mean I don't think I ever grew up or I was I was ever told that this could be a potential career option or that this is actually even a you know in my mind it was very clear that it was a b c or d there was no other alphabet there was no other language there was no alif be pe there was no there was nothing right so so you know in terms of options I don't know if there was something in the schooling experience that kind of indicated what I wanted to do I think it definitely does show you what you don't want to do um and you realize that with time I think i think more than the what i more than subjects and more than the system i think it was people so there were some teachers there were some individuals at lyceum there were some colleagues and friends like you guys you know um who kind of led to this but i don't know if there was anything beyond that it's a pretty bad answer i think oops it's true though <laughs> like you know that that's that's what you see <laughs> but like yeah. what about what about in terms of um in terms of sharing sharing some of those experiences sharing some of those memories and allowing these kids to recreate those same memories as you any, any anything like you know, that it's just that we come from such a huge point of privilege right so like i'll give you an example so when i came when i started doing all of this everyone just wanted me to focus on teaching english and there's this thing called esl english is a second secondary mm-hmm. language and you know i had no expertise in that but though my only expertise really was speaking english so for a government school my my fluency in english was was an asset and that and then so you, what you do is you create this curriculum in english and you teach teachers how to speak in english and children how to speak in english and you force them that you can only speak in english um for for reasons that you yourself don't know and you realize that you know for what and not once do you pause and question like what why are we so kind of you know why are we chasing this so much why is it so important for them to to know how to speak in english or just only know how to speak in english right so i can't possibly compare my experiences with theirs because where i was growing up or the kind of life that you know our schools were pushing us to aspire to learning english was very important because english is a class but for these children i don't know if the medium of instruction needs to be that i don't know if english needs to be the main focus of their education right um so i i just don't think that those experiences are comparable although they should be 
like ideally i should have been i should have gone to a public school where i was able to meet people who didn't come from my background where i was able to meet people who spoke a different language who you know came from a different kind of social you know space um but i didn't right it was very exclusive all of our experiences were so it's very hard to compare actually that's what makes it very hard is when you go into that space to erase those memories sometimes and be like look no <laughs> you know i cannot get them each a tablet i cannot possibly get each of them a textbook you know that textbooks will not always have color because it's just not going to you need to be practical about it so you kind of have to do the opposite which is erase some of your memories and uh, forget that everyone needs to have your education experience uh, i think that is a constant kind of negotiation i'm so glad you said that because what i've been thinking about and um uh recently i was working i was working with a friend of mine on uh, just just helping her come across some uh a mental health awareness uh amongst the youth in pakistan but like in a in the context of pakistan with the native mm-hmm. language right and i think that what we also tend and that just working on that a little bit and doing doing some research in that project got me to think about that we tend to tackle these problems without knowing the context of the problems we tend to forget about that it's a very it's situ, it's not you can't say situational but um mm-hmm. the situation is just different we grew up yeah. uh with very different backgrounds with i to didn't even grow up here right like i was born i i people ask me it it's anyways i'm confused i'm a confused child right uh but when it comes to like more than half the population also or people from our from our gatherings when they when they try to go and make an impact i think it's great that you want to go and make an impact and you want to like bring about a change and want to help those around you also um for whatever service that you choose to offer to the community but it's also about recognizing ke yaar aap aap kisse baat kar rahe ho and wo khud kahan se aa rahe you know yeah. and yeah. and i'd love for you to shed some light in that also is that how can it, how can those around us who want to bring a, about a collective impact or want to like work towards a specific cause you've taken that cause and made it your profession um many people would still like to keep that passion alive and keep the profession separate as well but how do you feel that you know people can bridge that gap how do you think that they can make that collective effort that they want to make yeah i mean it ranges from very basic simple things um to you know somewhat more sophisticated stuff but in terms of simple things what i've kind of learned really is that um one thing that i've that has really kind of that what fascinates me about the work that i do also is that you know you grow up thinking that there are certain people in your life who teach you so a teacher teaches you when your parents teach you when your elders teach you and i don't think i ever grew up thinking that a four year old can teach me or that a jan- a staff from you know a domestic work of staff working in the domestic space can teach me or a janitorial staff member can teach me but you'd be surprised right at how much they they know and how much they can they can enlighten you um because so often our our definition of education when educated person becomes conflated with the education of a literate person and literacy really just comes down to how well you can read or write perhaps even speak but there's something known as functional literacy which is how well do you live your life how do you live your life and the people that i've met and i think this is something that i think everyone can kind of pick up on is to open your mind to the ways in which people can teach you and people who you normally conventionally don't regard as people who can teach you right so like um 
I'll give you an example. So there's this little community in, um, uh, I don't want to say in Liari, but the outskirts of Liari, and they have this tradition. It's a Pashtun community, and they have a tradition called Landes. I have never read of this in any book. You know, I've never seen this or heard of this anywhere. And this, the, the custom is that they speak to each other in poetry. So even if they have to say, you know, like I said, go get that mug or that glass, there's going to be a whole verse on it. That's how they speak. You know, <laughs> that's how they live their life. And none of them know how to read or write or any of that, you know. And for me to learn that was through experience and through interaction because you know, I could have taken that as something like, you know, just a thing, but it's a learning. It's something, it's something that the book doesn't teach you, doesn't teach you. And even like the conventional teacher doesn't. Um, but if you open your mind to the ways in which people can teach you, I think, I think um, the space has a lot to offer. And you actually do feel, then you start to value how much a conversation means. Just pausing at a, at a traffic light and talking to a child. For me, that is a kind of contribution in a weird way, you know, because for me, that is doing the simple thing. Um, that can mean a lot. Um, you know, sometimes I've seen people have really interesting conversations with children selling things on the, on the road and, and, and it opens your mind up to a lot about their life and you learn. And I think that's contribution to self and to other. And I think it deserves a lot more merit. It's simple, so it gets lost, but it, de- it deserves a lot more kind of um, recognition, I think. So yeah, that's one of the things I would say actually, not to sound preachy or anything. Not at all. This was great, man. Because I was now was just thinking about like that how it's a matter of like absorbing perspectives also. You know, like you have to allow yourself to like really see, like take it all in. You know, unless you yeah. also don't expose yourself to that. Um, I think you, 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 if you want to make an effort towards it, then you know, if you want to make an effort towards working in um in uh in in the public education space also you have to really be able to dive into that into that field into the into the people around there and it's not just the the kids understanding uh their parents also i feel like plays such a big role because that's what they see um and unfortunately many of these kids also don't spend much time with their families because either if they're in school or they're working um Mm -hmm. so and that's that's the reality of things and getting that perspective i think is very important i kind of wish by the way and i'm not saying that we didn't get this um we didn't get the correct opportunity or the right opportunity but i kind of wish that when we were doing community service in school then we were told or we were having this conversation around us because i feel like i feel like when we were told to do community service it was either uh you know great for the for the transcript as you said earlier or it's like um you know, do good for those around you, but not really empathizing with the people you're doing work with, you know, or, or, or helping empower or uplift in some way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that's right. That's what it is. Right. And that's also, that's what social, I mean, bringing back to social emotional learning, right. Because I feel like all of this is part of that. Like, you know, to, to say that community service is important is not enough. And to even to say that community service is important for you to become a better human being is not enough because what does it mean to be a better human being? Like, when have we ever unpacked it? And when have we ever unpacked it with the intention of accepting that it means different things to different people? That respect can mean something very different to different people. Kindness can mean different things. So can empathy, right? And these are universal values and everyone has them. 
but the way we were taught in fact i don't even think we were taught these values in the sense of like direct instruction right there were things that were they were there but they were never the focus of at least my my schooling really mm-hmm. um so you know like you know like you said community service is pitched as this you know golden star that you can put on your report card and that does put a lot of us in that savior complex that you know we are in that position of superiority that we can go and you know save people really but not really understand that we have that there's something about coming on the same ground leveling the playing field and working with people not for mm-hmm. um so so these are kind of minute things the nuances that just words have power man and the way you name these things matters and it it makes you it it actually informs the way you think changes the narrative um, yeah yeah completely Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, I'm seeing it right now. Like my sister and her friends, oh God, she's gonna kill me for saying this, but um, they uh, want to go volunteer at a school and teach children their age. Uh, you know, so they're going to go in and teach people who are their own their age, and it's not going to be a back and forth. No one's going to ask those kids to teach them anything. It can be anything. It can be kanche. It can be you know the basics of barter or trade. Because these kids, they if you tell some of these kids who you know the school that they're going to, I'm talking about those specific kids, they have the kind of bargaining power to sell something that is you know or or to buy something at half price. You know they have those quick skills. They're no hustlers, ever, yeah. And, and yeah, and no one the, you come and teach them this. You know, it's always going to be you, you guys from that school go and teach them something random. You know and. that narrative man it's like it's pretty problematic actually that's that's actually Sorry. sparked some idea i'm actually going to put this forward to some people because i like that that um go and go go to those schools yes send people from from big private schools send the students um but make it an exchange of kind exactly that's yeah. empowerment yeah empowerment yeah. giving your service it is you showing and actually acting that it is it is a tr- it's a two way process yeah yeah you know yeah so shazmina as um a very and and feel free to take your time to answer this one but what is it that motivates you or inspires you to keep at it to keep doing what you're doing man um well i think um I think so much of it has to do with how much I learn about myself when I do this work, right? So things that I've realized, like, I mean, I realize that I'm not someone who can sit behind a desk. I have realized that I'm someone who needs to constantly be working, you know, talking to people to work. Um, so you know, the things that it makes me realize about myself and what fascinates me, how every day is new and surprising and full of challenges, and it's it's unreal sometimes and it it makes you feel crazy um but it's a real test of patience i think it's a real test of patience it's a real test of um you know my own kind of ability to regulate emotions i think it it's something that helps me grow as a person um i think i'm always learning in the most unexpected of ways so that fascinates me because um i grew up as a bookworm everyone who knows me knows that i was quite the nerd <laughs> you know and and for me to take a part that is quite the opposite of that is um is is interesting personally so yeah in a in a short concise answer that would be it and i love working with kids you know i think uh, i would always choose a kid over an adult any day man you know i think kids should 
I think, I think, and I think that there's something about the way we look at children as devoid of agency, as, as, as just receptive and passive receptors of services, right? And not as people who are actually powerful, not as individuals, I think. So I like, I like doing that on a daily basis. It's pretty cool. All right. So now this, that's, that's, that's actually quite sweet to hear. But, um, and you say you like working with kids. Um, what is it that you feel that, uh, this actually gets me to ask, that what, do you, what is it that you feel that you could actually, what is a message that you feel you could pass on to the kids about how they're looking at their own future or about what trajectory they feel like they need to be on? How do you feel like you can change their mindset a little bit about that? I think that what you just said, right? Like what trajectory should they be on? I just don't know if we can predict these things. And I think it's, I know maybe it sounds radical, but to think that there's one trajectory that a child needs to be on. Um, that mentality can be, especially if it's institutionalized via school, you know? So, for example, like I grew up with people who I think were um, analytically way sounder than I was and who were able to manage their relationships and their emotions really well, make great decisions, but they never really were called the ideal student. It was ultimately the person who had the memory who could regurgitate information, uh, you know, on repeat, like a tape recorder, <laughs> and then have that marking scheme assess how well they repeat. That was the good student. And in doing so, you put down so many people who have potential to do so much. And I think that mindset is something, but again, till it's institutionalized the way it is, it'll be hard. But if I could, and I say this to the kids I work with all the time, that these things are important, but you are, you are more than this. You know, your um, experience as a student is an experience of a learner. You know, and, and this is one way that is that, you know, that you are showing what you're learning, but there's so much more. So I've asked them, for example, to assess how these days what we're doing is pretty cool. We kind of like give ourselves a report card of each other, which is not grades, but of how we did. So like sometimes the report card is like, you know, today I kind of said this word this many times, you pick on a word. Or today I didn't say this one word. So for example, if you're trying not to abuse anything like that like you know a report card an unconventional report card of how we feel about ourselves today or how we feel about our emotions or our actions or anything like that so you know breaking that stereotype that a report card is just supposed to show a b's and c so you're basically making like it's it's like a it's like a self-check that i'm yeah. checking in on myself and like this is what i'm doing and i'm on the like I'm improving, you know, the things that, that are going to make me a better human or more well-rounded, kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that and stuff like, you know, there's so many of these kids who just love singing, who love art and um, they know they can't make, you know, money from it because that's also true. You know, I mean, people have to struggle when it comes to the creative space, um, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't do it. Um, with something else, right? So being a little practical about it also that, yeah, you need to get a job because your family depends on you. But that doesn't strip you of your right to pursue what you love, you know? And, and that doesn't strip you of your right to express what you love and to accept it because we bury it. I mean, I, you know, I buried it. Like I loved singing growing up, never pursued it, never took it seriously. We were going to start a band, man. You know? We were, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, so so 
things like this i think are important to talk about um but also kind of bearing in mind the realities of their lives uh you know and what is important to them so yeah that would be something to talk about interesting and and what about their um what about their own um their their their, their well-being in terms of i don't mean uh, this is all working towards their well-being of course but i mean that um working towards their own their own physical well-being as well that um the, these kids are also exposed to a lot around them uh yes. some might be you know around those who are substance abuse victims or um you know just all sorts of stuff right like mm-hmm. how is how are you guys working around that as well making sure that they actually are protected um holistically i think the first thing is that you have to accept that you know you can't protect all children it's it's a very painful acceptance but you can't because they reduce ways few hours of the day mm-hmm. not even few hours of the day anymore you know so you really don't have control of any sort of what happens later in their life mm-hmm. on their day um what happens though is like you know for 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 a lot of people substance abuse these kind of things aren't problems these are these are just normal things i mean they're problems for people who are on the outside you know if if i if i see a child not wearing his slippers it's going to be such a big problem for me that it's not a problem for them it's not a problem for his parents it's not a problem for for the community because you see this is a way that they've been living right so one thing is to accept to kind of revisit what is my assumption about protection what do i mean when i say protection is it the same kind of protection that i got um because that was something very different um and 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 that was perhaps also an unnecessary sheltering from reality as well right with these kids i think it's important to kind of think about like you know what do they think about protection right because for them protection could just be something as simple as getting food in time that's protection right um so things like that and then really really also kind of understand that whose responsibility is this you know on one level it's the parents but on the other level it, it is the government's responsibility and so as a private indiv- as a private organization or as an independent there's only so much you can do so you have to accept what your capacity is um you also have to accept that it's important to work if you are really truly into this and you want to work on issues of protection or with children there has to be some liaison with the government right um you know with the people who are actually fully responsible for doing this um so in to that end we have nothing zilch um but it's important to keep talking about it in the hopes that it will happen someday all right all right and i i i seriously hope that you know all the efforts that do take place like bring about that change that they're all working towards even if they are in silos even if they're working together with the government however it is um fingers crossed i guess optimistic yeah. as always got to keep that alive uh yeah there's no other option right? yeah and i think that's that's also very that's very interesting that how like growing up i remember when i moved to pakistan i was at that time it wasn't as bad also you know like as you see now and i'm talking about like maybe not the education space because i was 10 at that time but things like pollution the weather politics mm. security things like that um economics it wasn't that bad and um 
इवन देन पीपल यू से जब तुम्हारे बच्चे हो जाएंगे फिर पाकिस्तान बदलेगा एंड आई नाउ आई एम लाइक ओके शायद जब मेरे बच्चे होंगे तब पाकिस्तान बदलेगा बट एटलीस्ट आई गेट टू सी इट I see yeah. I I honestly see I see like that's like if I don't try working towards it if you don't try working towards it or if other people in our um and in, in our networks don't work towards it it's not going to happen. Yeah. No one yeah. says it's going to be easy no one says it's going to take like 2 years 5 years it's going to take 20 it's going to take a generation to to change. Yeah maybe even more honestly because yeah. like when you think about it that the, the generation before ours Uh, don't even know what these names are. All generations have names, apparently. We're so apparently, we're Gen Z, by the way. Did you know that? We're millennials, is what my sister told me last. But apparently That's- not. So like, I'm again. This is another like point of confusion for me now. Is like, sort of, so we're crisis. Me, I guess. Okay, are we millennials or Gen Zs? But the point is that whether it was the millennials or the boomers, you were saying. Yeah. Sorry, I digress. Yeah, I digress. Exactly. um but there there was something that they were doing in their time that they really believed would make them back right um and um of course i mean it would be it would be denial to say that we as a generation are more active than those before us because there was definitely more momentum in youth spaces back in the day than there is now um and and so it didn't happen and then you wonder why you know you wonder what was it then when people had that motivation and and you know they had all of that belief and the ideology why didn't it work um and so you know one wonders how long it will take but you know hope is is the only option sometimes right like you can't you don't have an option so yeah back to what you said yeah so shasmina mm-hmm. has one last question for you so that we can wrap this up is that um If you could go back in time and you could meet your childhood self, uh, what would you tell her? I would say start a band with us. <laughs> ah, yeah, like that. <laughs> um, I think um, I would. I would probably be. I, I would. I would definitely, actually, I'd you know, probably give more importance to my language. um i would not be afraid of taking of going to urdu class i would try not to hate it um but also i recognize a lot of that was not on me a lot of that had to do with the way i was taught and the way urdu and my culture was pitched to me so but i would definitely try to take more effort um and hope that i can have a conversation like this in urdu which still does not happen um you know so stuff about that um, that would probably be one of the main I would actually also try and watch more documentaries um because I think I grew up not watching any like I would not watch the National Geographic or any history channel my mom used to put on and saying yeah no and I think all kids do that but it also because of the way these subjects were taught to us is dreadful and boring and dry you know yeah so um we didn't have netflix also, then also you know to be fair like I think that like if you've seen explained or if you've seen one strange rock it's great like one strange rock is about the yeah. the universe and the world and yeah. will smith is 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 doing the commentary yeah. behind it now imagine if will smith was teaching us about history i saw that like few years ago you know like yeah. these things you know so so yeah i mean i wish i i did more of that you know i wish i was my own parent for a bit your own parent for a bit yeah yeah interesting Bye. cool but shashmina thank you so much for coming man this was great this was i think the whole time i was just like you know i felt a little nostalgic i'm not going to lie it's like going back to the days at lyceum 
yeah. after every uh, psych class would like grab some chai grab some coffee bashir bhai ki and just chill out and like endless conversations about everything yeah it's great man it's and like look at where we are now yeah it's literally like you know the snap of a finger and it just i don't know happened and it ended uh-huh, but yeah. um, and so many yeah. ups and downs along the way yeah yeah for sure yeah 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 Bashazmina once again thank you very much ladies and gentlemen this is Shazmina Durani sorry i think you were going to say something oh thank you for having me and i hope you keep doing this cuz i think it's awesome fingers uh, crossed man jab tak hai jaan jab tak oh, i knew you would say that and you know it happened without the Sharukhan dialogue <laughs> let me let me say it like him na jab tak hai jaan no i can't do it right now it's not that not the right time but um yeah uh, everybody that was shazmine durani um shazmine is doing a lot of work in the space of public education in pakistan and child wellbeing um shazmine would you mind if people got in touch with you uh if they would like to collaborate or seek some more opportunities in this space yeah pretty much open yeah awesome So uh, Shazmina's details will be down in the description. Um, if you are listening to this and you've made it this far, thank you very much. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for the next one coming out next Wednesday, only on Behind the Grind with Asad Ashwali. Bye bye. <laughs>